I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. The title of the message tonight is Blind Men Who See Jesus. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Uh, the entire point that I have, everything that I say tonight will fall under the point, uh, you never know who might accept the Lord if given the opportunity. You never know who might accept the Lord if given the opportunity. Um, <clears throat> there are two blind men, and one of them is named Bartimaeus. Now, we do not know the other man's name. However, in my opinion, they are just one of several peculiar people, I like to say it that way, peculiar people in the scriptures, that when given the opportunity to make a statement, when given the opportunity to make a statement, they say something rather profound about Jesus. And I would say that it's something that is unexpected coming from someone who we could say might be unexpected. A blind man named Bartimaeus. The text, starting in verse 29 of Matthew chapter 20, uh, we will read through verse 34. It says this, it says, Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you so much again for who you are. and Just thank you for the opportunity to present your word. It's just so awesome to, to learn about people in the scriptures who came to know you in a personal way. Through, through faith in, in, in your son, Jesus. Father, I just <clears throat> help me this evening communicate your word to your people in a way that is clear and applicable to our lives, in a way that honors you and glorifies you. And all these things I ask in Jesus' name, amen. So <clears throat> the place of the miracle, it says this, Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. So in the immediate context, Jesus is making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And you, I'm sure if you read just a little further there, right in chapter 21, you might even have a heading in your Bible that says that very thing, the triumphal entry. But he just previously had a discussion with his disciples about what it means to be great. So two of his disciples and their mother come to Jesus with a question, and the question is listed there in verse 20 and 21. It says this, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, kneeling down and asking something from him, and he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant these 
two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. So Jesus tells them that these positions are not uh, positions of, of authority that he can give them. And then he addresses to all of them and then says that greatness is about service in which he ultimately points to himself. So reading on in verse 28, right before where we started, it says this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So why did I say that? This is why. What is very telling is that while Jesus does not grant this request, he does grant the request of the blind men. Did you catch that? So he does not grant the request of his two disciples that I just read through, but he does grant the request of the blind men. So it's very interesting. But also, just in way of overview and or background, this is one of the last miracles you see before Jesus' crucifixion. And so once again, about the place of the miracle, there are plenty of significant things about Jericho, Jericho we could note. However, I would just say this, that If you look at a harmony of the Gospels, Mark's account notes that they were leaving Jericho, whereas Luke's account notes that they were coming near to Jericho. So simply put, another way that you could say that is that he was going in and out of Jericho uh, when this took place. It's, It's not much different from the way the Gospel writers would have recorded the time of day when the tomb of Jesus was discovered empty after his resurrection. Okay, so... Going on, and I'll I'll come back to that, but going on, you see that they have a plea for mercy. In verse 30, it says this, it says, And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. And wow, what a statement. Man, we don't even really know who these guys were. But wow, I want to unpack that uh, this evening. But just by way of information, Luke and Mark's Gospels only focus on one man who is the one speaking. That's Bartimaeus. Mark's Gospel is the only one to point out that his name is Bartimaeus. And Matthew's Gospel is the only one to point out that there are, in fact, two men. And he mentions that they are sitting by the wayside... And some translations may even include that they are beggars. But when they heard that Jesus passed by, they both cried out. So this literally means that they screamed to get Jesus' attention, which is awesome. So with a multitude of people following Jesus, they would have to scream to get his attention. And they did. And while we have to respect that they couldn't use their eyes, they made full use of their voices. Right? They said, have mercy on us. I like what one individual said. They, they put it this way, that mercy is a form of love determined by the state or condition of its objects. Their state is one of suffering and need while they may be unworthy or ill-deserving. Mercy is at once the disposition of love respecting such and the kindly ministry of love for their relief. O Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. 
Give us something that we do not deserve. It's very different from the request of the two disciples earlier in the text. (laughs) What can I do for you? Well, give my sons one seat at your right and one seat at your left. So it may be that the nature of their request is addressed later, that they were primarily focused on their physical condition. However, in the case of these men, sometimes our physical condition can reveal that we have a spiritual condition that needs to be taken care of as well. And I would put it this way. We are all in need of God's mercy for both our physical and spiritual needs. All of us. Every single one of us. And once they realized their need, they took full advantage of the opportunity God had given them. And they didn't say to each other or assume that they had plenty of time to come to Jesus. I said earlier that Jesus was coming in and out of Jericho. So in other words, they didn't say to one another, well, maybe we'll catch Jesus when he comes back by. And when they caught word that Jesus was coming through, they screamed to get Jesus's attention. They had a sense of urgency. And the reason why I point this out is that if you have been living as a Christian very long and you want to tell someone about the Lord and about what the Lord can do in their life, some people do not have a sense of urgency whatsoever. They might say something along the lines of, oh, well, I have plenty of time to get that sorted out of my life. And that's just simply not true. And these men, though we do not know much about them, they knew that. So the perception of these men, if we could put it that way, O Lord, son of David, and I keep saying that, and here's another reason why. In Luke's account, in Luke 18, 36 and 37, and maybe you just write that down. You don't have to flip over there. It says this, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And I want you to catch that. The crowd, when Bartimaeus asked what was going on, someone from the crowd responded that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So to be cleared, They simply referred to Jesus as a Nazarene, while these two blind men referred to Jesus as the son of David. Okay, that's the difference. And as I'm sure as most of you know, son of David is Jesus' messianic title. So these men knew who Jesus really was. Not that he was just uh, from Nazareth, but that he is the Messiah. Matthew's gospel is written to a Jewish audience And for another reference of scripture, it opens with this in verse 1 of chapter 1. It says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. O Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. These men who knew who Jesus was. And so when you put this all together... They had come into, the con- into contact with the Messiah, and they had asked for mercy, which is very different than just saying, hey, Jesus from Nazareth, I know that you work miracles. <laughs> okay? That's incredible. <clears throat> and when I think more and more about this, I start asking questions, like 
And if you know me at all, you know that I love to ask questions, love to, to just take some time to think about things. But how these men would have known he was the Messiah? Because we don't really know much about him. How did they know that he was the son of David? How did they know that this was a man that could heal blind men? And how are... How, it's, oh, it's just exciting. So when you put it all together, these events that would have taken place before now would have included the healing of the man who was born blind in John chapter 9 and the raising of Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. These things have taken place by the time this happens. And we know that in the theology of the day, at least of the Pharisees, in the context of the man who had been born blind, the Pharisees had this comment to say in John chapter 9 and verse 32. They said, Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. They said that about Jesus and the miracle that he performed with that man. So maybe, and I don't know, but it's interesting to think about. Maybe these things had happened, and when they heard of Jesus passing by, they knew that what he did for that man, he could do for them too. <laughs> and he didn't want to miss out on that opportunity. But by way of application, what does this have to do with us? I would say this, that we need to take responsibility for our lives. Why do I say that? Because these men could have been embittered about their condition. And they could have been bitter about the fact that they were that way, that they were on the roadside, that they were destitute, that they were left for begging. Right? And the only company that he had was another blind man. But they weren't embittered. They weren't complaining. They weren't blaming God. And unfortunately, many people, because of sin that exists in the world, when they befall certain conditions, instead of turning to God, they get embittered or they blame God, but they earnestly seek Jesus. And I would say that if we're going to blame anyone or anything, then it needs to start with the fact that mankind does really have a sin problem. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 9, or verse 10, I'm sorry. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. It doesn't get any clearer than that. But there is good news. The Bible also says in Isaiah 53 and verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And it makes me ask myself this question, aren't you glad that someone died in our place? <laughs> the Bible also says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if we turn from our sin and place our faith in Christ, then he will save us from our sins. 
that is the truth of the gospel. And Romans 10 and 13 says this, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what do we do? We need to recognize our need for Jesus just as these men did. And we need to request his mercy just like these men did. Verse 31. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. I can get along with these guys. I like these guys. Hey, you guys be quiet. Mm. Nope, not doing it. But I would say it's very telling that the crowd had no compassion for these blind men. And, and really, I, I don't know why, but I do know that the condition of their blindness was viewed culturally as a curse from God. And the reason why I say that is that in John chapter 9 and verses 1 through 3, referring back to the story of the other blind man previously mentioned, it says this. It says in verse 1, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So why did it happen? How? Well, we know why he says that the works of God should be revealed in him. But you see where I was trying to go with that. But I would say this. Do not let the crowd keep you from coming to Jesus. The crowd really has a fickle theology, right? The crowd very soon after this praised Jesus when he was coming in at the triumphal entry, right? And then not very long after that, the same crowd shouted, crucify him. So if we're going to count on the theology of the crowd, that's not a very reliable thing. These blind men were told to be quiet, but they didn't listen to those who criticized them. Don't let someone keep you from coming to Jesus, no matter the reason. And if you have opportunity to call out on the Lord, please make haste in that opportunity. But Jesus had compassion. We know that. Verse 32, So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion, it says. Jesus gave time for the blind men to express their needs, and he gives us time to express our needs to him. But unlike the request of his disciples, Jesus does not always meet all of our wants. Do this for me, Jesus. Won't you do this? However, he is willing and able to meet all of our spiritual needs. And he knew that they had a spiritual need that needed to be met. I love this. Uh, the power of the Messiah. It goes on to say that he touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. And it just makes me think that these blind men really knew something of faith <laughs> by design. Really, 
but they realized that the object of their faith needed to be Christ. And when they received their sight, they, they, they did not separate the two. They still followed Jesus Christ in faith. And I put it this way, that Jesus not only opened their eyes, but they also opened the eyes of their heart. And the reason why I say that is because Mark chapter 10 and verse 52 is Mark's account of this same story. It says this, Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Amen. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. When you look at that a little more closely, one person has rightly pointed this out, that the concept that's portrayed in Greek literally means your faith has saved you. And so the words for faith and, and the words for healing, they're, they're different words. So when it says their eyes received sight, that speaks of the physical healing. And when it says, and follow Jesus in the way, that speaks of the evidence of their salvation. So, it's actually all the more telling that they chose to follow Jesus because of what Mark's gospel records. Jesus literally says to them, go your way. And they made the decision that Jesus' way was their way. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and we need to make that same decision. Uh, Luke's gospel even goes so far to say that they went the way of Jesus glorifying God. So they didn't just follow Jesus. They followed Jesus glorifying God. And you see the praise of the multitude. And I didn't have to add this one in here, but I just love it. What Luke adds here in Luke's account. It says in Luke 18, 43. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Amen. So this just helps to point out the magnitude of the miracle. This was a big story that Bartimaeus and his blind companion, they received their sight from Jesus Christ. Now some go so far to say that Bartimaeus could have been an influential member in the Lord's church and this testimony would have been one that's easily remembered. And all I can say to that is that we do not know. But what we do know is that we are back where we started. That there are some peculiar people who make profound statements of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Really. You just, you just take some time to read through one of the gospel accounts, and it happens all the time. It's phenomenal. And Bartimaeus and his friend are two of those people. And so that's why I say, and that's why I I said when I started that you never know who might accept the Lord if presented the opportunity. This isn't an outreach sermon. That's just Bible. <laughs> I would also say that we can learn a lot from them. And with this, I will close and invite Brother Bill up. The things we can learn are this. And this probably isn't even exhaustive. That just like them, we need to take responsibility for our lives just like them, we need to recognize our need for Jesus. 
Just like them, we need to request his mercy. Just like them, we do not need to keep, let critics keep us from doing that. And lastly, we need to follow him and glorify him for the opportunity to be able to do so. What a passage.